I'm Phil Rickaby, and I've been a writer and performer for almost 30 years. But I've realized that I don't really know as much as I should about the theater scene outside of my particular Toronto bubble. Now, I'm on a quest to learn as much as I can about the theater scene across Canada. So join me as I talk with mainstream theater creators you may have heard of, and indie artists you really should know, as we find out just what it takes to be stage-worthy. If you value the work that I do on Stageworthy, please consider leaving a donation either as a one-time thing or on a recurring monthly basis. Stageworthy is created entirely by me, and I give it to you free of charge with no advertising or other sponsored messages. Your continuing support helps me to cover the cost of producing and distributing the show. Just four people donating $5 a month would help me cover the cost of podcast hosting alone. Help me continue to bring you this podcast. You can find a link to donate in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at the website at stageworthy.ca. Now, on to the show. My guest this week is independent theater reviewer Janine Marley from A View from the Box. In this conversation, we talk about what brought her to start her own theater review blog, what it's like to be a theater reviewer, how she started sharing reviews on TikTok, and much more. Here's our conversation. Janine, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Just to, I guess the best place to start, you've been, how long have you been reviewing theater for? So I started my blog as just a passion project, doing it for fun thing back in 2014. So it's been almost 10 years now, which is just crazy to think about. Because I go, oh gosh, I've been out of grad school for almost 10 years. But (laughs) I, so I started then and I was just writing about what I would see at Stratford or what I was seeing at the university, just very casually, not, not as dedicated as I am now. And then uh, once things started to open up after the pandemic, I was like, oh, this is my shot. I'm living in Toronto now. This is my chance to to take this seriously and give it a go. And a year and a bit later. I feel like you also were sort of doing that at, at just the right time. Megan Mooney had stopped publishing yeah. Mooney on Theater. And there's there was this right. void in the reviewing landscape that you filled, among other people, but you were one of the one of the voices that sort of jumped in and filled that void. Now, making the switch from just like document talking about the things that you've seen to to actual reviewing. Because those are two different things. What describe yeah. the dif- describe the difference between those two? I think now there's I don't want to say a pressure, but there is like a sense of urgency to the writing that I certainly enjoy now that I can put myself in it more wholeheartedly. Like now that it is my primary focus, I can. I'm not watching the emails of the critics are raving going by and going. Right. I knew I needed to write about that show. I'm not getting as lost in like the pile up of it all. So there is, there's a sense of urgency to it, but also I notice I'm flexing different mental muscles as I go. There is a lot of different trains of thought from when I see something because I know I'm going to be writing about it later versus if I'm just seeing it to enjoy. So it has been interesting learning when I want to turn those muscles on and off. And if I can, because sometimes that's not my choice. It's been a really interesting journey. Now that I can give myself fully to it, it's been a lot more enjoyable than the sort of overwhelming pileup. Because something like in April, where there was something like, I think I saw Paula Citrin was tweeting. There's just like, why is there 10 openings on one weekend? And it was true. It was wild. And that paired with a full-time job really was a lot to balance. So now I'm actually looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that April was like <laughs> November because November is usually when everybody opens everything. And so it was like, I think everybody's yeah. excited to be back in the theater. People are excited to to get on stages again. Now, absolutely. see, there, there's something about Ruby and I, there, there's sometimes been pressure on, my, on me 
as somebody who has a platform to review shows. And I do not do that. I have never been comfortable doing it. Listen, if you want to talk about a show, whether or not it's good, we could do that in the privates. But putting that out there, because yes. <laughs> I know that for myself, I can be a, a, a harsh critic, especially when I'm talking with my theater friends. We'll talk harshly about a show. And especially if something isn't working for me. But I always analyze what that is. That said, but I want to be the, a booster of theater. And so I don't review, mostly because I know I'm a harsh audience sometimes. And But reviewing <laughs> is not just talking about a show. It's there's more to just like slagging off a show. This didn't work. That didn't work. It's like there's and or when a show's good, just going, yeah, it was really good. There's more to reviewing. What has your journey been for going from just writing about shows? Like, how did you hone the reviewer's pen, for want of a better term? It's an ongoing process, I think. For me, it is still something that show to show I have to figure out because I agree. It, when a show is great, it's easy to write about, right? Because you're going, well, uh, this ticked all the boxes I had. So, and it does, sometimes it does almost feel like a booster pose because I'm like, I'm satisfied. <laughs> like I had a great time. This was fun. When I see something that I have problems with, that's when it gets harder. And I go, okay, how do we, how do I give the nicest constructive criticism that I can? So I am still voicing my opinion while also doing it in a way that it doesn't come off as too brutal or just too punchy. And it is a fine line. And yeah, it literally changes show to show, I think, for me. It's just, it totally depends on what it hits and also where I am. Because I have had some shows where I come out of it thinking one thing, have a nice sleep, and then wake up in the morning and I go, oh, okay, I see why I didn't get X, Y, and Z, or I have rethought about a, B, and C. And actually, that makes more sense now. Okay, cool. And my, my opinion can change. So it does. It takes a, it's a, it's an ongoing journey, but it's a journey that I'm happy to, to be on because I do think that everything sort of changes depending on what's put in front of you. That's absolutely certain. The opinion changing as even just moments pass between leaving a show and sitting down to write about it or things like that. Have being, having the freedom to sit with a show before you have to talk about it can be supremely helpful. But that the harsh voice that some... I remember years ago, back when there was an iMagazine, and iMagazine for Fringe, because they were off, <laughs> they were sometimes the media sponsor, would bring in like all of these extra people all so right. they could review all the shows. And I remember meeting right. somebody who was very excited because they were going to be reviewing shows and they couldn't wait to give one stars to all the shows they saw. And I was like, that's not actually reviewing. That's not shitting on shows no. and just shitting on shows for the sake of shitting on shows is not reviewing. No, that's not what we're here for. And especially not at Fringe. So many things that you see at Fringe are in their baby version. They are freshly minted new ideas that people are trying out for the first time. It's very rare that you see something at Fringe that it's like, oh no, maybe run this like, you know, four times before this is like final version it's ready to go most of it is new which is exciting it's what it's about but it's certainly not the time to be like i'm gonna start a teardown campaign right. of every single thing i see that's yeah it's not yeah. i think that, that for toronto fringe there's a little bit more of a complication in that fringe not the organization but fringe the people the media that surround it everything that surrounds it is less forgiving than some other fringe festivals when things are, are not polished or we've been coddled by having a Kim's Convenience, the kink in my in her hair, the the drowsy chaperone, mm -hmm. all of these shows that that came out of Fringe and went on yes. for hits. And so now there's a lot of people and some media outlets that sit down and go, all right, what's going to be the next the next big thing? And if it's not that, they're not satisfied. And mm -hmm. that's a big order. That is such a huge order because realistically, the people that were at Kim's Convenience or the kink in my hair probably didn't know when they're seeing it, that's what it's going to be, right? There are several openings mm -hmm. that I've gone to where I look at my partner and I go, ooh, I wonder if this is going to be a show where we get to say we were an opening night for that big thing. But you can't know that right now. You're going to know it in 10, 15 years. <laughs> Not something you can pinpoint now. Because there's sure. a lot of things that have that X factor. It depends on 
does it get picked up by a big enough producer? Does it get carried on? There's so many things that go into, does it stay little or does it get? I will say that having seen Kim's Convenience at Fringe when it was there, everybody in that audience knew. There was no question. That show was great. I'm not shocked. Having read the play, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's, yes. And (laughs) it was one of those. all makes sense. Okay. You've probably had this experience, people. The end of a show comes and then the applause starts. And there's a couple of people over there who stand up because they feel like they went to a show and they're supposed to give it a, a standing ovation. And then these people over here, they see those people stand up. And so they stand up and it's like spreads like a, like just like mushrooms sprouting up. But it's not organic. <laughs> but Kim's Convenience was a show where that show ended and everybody stood up. There was like no question that that's, that was going to happen. Yeah. And that's the difference. Like when you're in an audience and it is one of those spontaneous moments, you stand, you just feel it. And then there's other shows where you're like, Everybody else is standing, so I guess I have to stand or I look like a jackass. Yes, but it is those moments, though, where everybody just, and you hear everybody's seat to the clack back at the same time, and the roar of the applause, that gives me goosebumps. I can live off of that adrenaline for days. Do you know what I mean? I am just like, I will be riding that excitement for days after that going oh my gosh we saw that yeah. thing and it was that level of fool so yeah it is special when it does happen and mm, if it can happen at something yeah. like a fringe show even better now this fringe because i think last year's fringe toronto fringe was it was it was weird it was weird i think there's <laughs> nobody who, who can say it, it was wasn't weird. weird it was just like everybody's trying to find this what is performing like and what is like fringing and it was weird not like there were no posters and yeah. you hardly saw anybody flyering and all this sort of stuff so it had this weird feeling this year felt a lot, a little bit more like a, a normal fringe. Um, did you review last year as well as this year? I did. So last year I had just started my full-time job and then fringe comes along like a month later. I'm like, cool. I bet I can't just be like, can I peace out for 11 days? I know I just got done training. <laughs> can I not be here for 11 days? So I saw 15 shows. Over the course of that time, while then working, I tried to write about things as quickly as I could. If I remember, like my last few reviews got out in the days following because I just, (laughs) that's when I started drinking coffee. I was a tea girl before last Fringe and then Fringe happened and now she's a coffee drinker. So 15 shows is still a respectable number. We can't all be Derek Chua and see like almost a hundred shows. Like, I saw 39 this year, and I was proud of myself. It would have been 40, but the TTC made me miss a show, and I was devastated. So, yeah, I saw 39 shows, and I'm sitting there going, how does he, like, how does he do that? Because I am exhausted with 39, and he saw almost double that. I always make this mistake when I'm going to be like, this is fringe day, and I go out, and I see a bunch of shows. I'll see three shows. And then all of a sudden I realized that, oh, I didn't plan for food. The people at the Soul Pepper Cafe saved my life the one day because I had not factored in time for dinner at all. I got there with 15 minutes to spare and I went up to them and I was like, how long does it take you to like <laughs> cook me one of those sandwiches? They said five minutes. I was like, great. Right. That's literally all I have. And I swallowed down uh, a cup of soup and a, and a sandwich and then went running into my show. And I was just like, okay, this is not going to happen from now on. And the thing is, I do it to myself. But on the days that I went with my partner, oh, no, we had chunks of time in between for meal breaks and very lackadaisical schedules on the weekend because I'm going like, he's not going to want to yeah. do 15 shows in a day. We can do like three, four tops because, you know, they're friend shows, they're little. So on the days when I was with him on the weekend, they were very well planned. It's when I'm just out there on my own that I'm like, I mean, I do the same thing. And that's because when you're like seeing shows, when it's just <laughs> you're like, I'm fitting in as many shows as I can. And because this is business, you're like, yeah. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, again, that. I don't review, but I tweet and I post about shows when I see them. Um, yeah. Just because I want to boost. If I like a show. And there's a couple of people who Certainly. caught on to my, I might say, I'm sitting down to see this show. 
And then they don't hear what I thought about this show. And they're like, I wonder if that's a sign. And then a couple were like, does that, if you don't, after this show, if you don't say something, was that, I'm like, you caught me. You caught me. It's true. It's true. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the show that I think you missed no, I, was um... when we, I was going to, and you were like, I'm stuck in traffic. And I was like, yeah, moments before you texted, I was like trying to get in line, but I also had just run to the Wendy's around the corner because I was starting to get hungry. And I was me shoving a burger in my mouth, just like trying to get into this show sure. like you do when you foolishly yeah. not planned out food. Like we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was stuck on like the Dundas streetcar. Yeah. yeah I was so excited because you were going to be there. And I'm like, yeah. oh, great. I'll get to say hi to Phil. This will be so much fun. That's a joke. <laughs> the TTC. <laughs> the TTC is made us. I won't laugh at you today. But then I think we bumped into each other. It was like, wasn't it like the last day or the second last day or something like that? I was we going finally... to see the Michael Ross Albert show. Which I saw yeah. the next day. I saw on the last day of Fringe. I can't. Oh, I was. I saw. That was when right. a pilot I ever seen Corporate Finch. Which was like. <laughs> My, that was an yeah. experience. It's, it's, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Fringe audiences, yeah. sometimes you sit down after a show and you're like, so what is it that an audience really likes about this show? Because maybe I, like, I'll see a show and it doesn't hit for me, but people are going crazy for it. And I'll be like, okay, so what is, is it because it's weird? Yeah. Do we really just like weird? What is it? Is it just that it has a strong concept? And I'll like mull that over for ages and never really come to the, a conclusion about like what is it that people are actually digging about this show because i think it's one of those fringe mysteries yeah it's like i no i had one like that last year where kyle and i went and we were sitting there and the rest of the audience is like roaring at these jokes and i'm just like am i too tired or am I like, am I just like totally missing everything that's happening here? Cause like I was, and so once we got out, cause of course you don't want to like talk to the person inside your drink. But once we got out, I remember being like, okay, was that just me? And he was like, no, no, I didn't get either. I'm like, okay, phenomenal. As long as we're on the same page, I'm good. But it was almost like, it was like everybody else mm -hmm. was like in on the inside joke and I wasn't. I'm like, no, I had, a, I had a show that I saw like that this year and I was just like, looking around like, I, like you guys obviously know something that I don't about this show. Yep. Yeah, it's like, what am I missing? Did I not read the program? What's happening? Yeah, hundred percent. Fringe is a wild time, and I I think yes. that that fact that the lottery system keeps it to be like so egalitarian. I'm sure, some people will always every year somebody complains that the lottery is fixed and all of this sort of stuff, but it's I know it's not. And we anybody who's been at the lottery and watched them yeah. counting ballots. And like having somebody verify ballots, you know that, <laughs> that that's not fixed. Yeah, it's that keeps exactly. it such a because you literally anybody can have a show from whoever like has like experience producing to somebody who's a first time producer, and it's so wild to be able to see somebody like doing something for their first time. And it's inspiring. Like when you go and you see a show, and then you find out that like that person's from halfway across the world, and they're on like a Canadian fringe circuit or yeah, or it was like their first time. And you're like, good for you. Cause my gosh, my first shows I was like directing and producing did not turn out <laughs> like this, ladies and gentlemen, like not at all. It's always, it's so exciting for me because it's the beauty. Like, mm. To me, that's what fringe is about. It's okay, cool. Let's see who's out there and what's out there. Because yeah, like you say, some of it, like as soon as we saw Blake and Clay's names on a show, we were like, okay, we missed right, it last right. year. Can I miss it this year? Yeah. Gotta make sure we get there. But at the same time, you get, yeah, like I said, literally, I saw a show where the young lady performing it, it was from yeah. Singapore. And I was like, you're actually, you live there. She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's wild. It's so much fun. It, it makes that, it makes every day incredibly just spicy. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Back in 2012, I was on a fringe tour and we started in the, at the Montreal Fringe and there was a troop of three people doing they were from japan and they were doing this incredible physical theater thing and it was there's almost no english in this show but it was like the japanese precision in like the way that it, it was so beautiful and amazing and they just came and they did the orlando fringe they did the montreal fringe and then they were gone but things that you that are like lightning in a bottle things that you'll only see and somebody like comes because they just were able to get into those fringes and it's amazing to see it certainly makes it 
yeah, like I said, like, it makes it the exciting thing that Fringe is. It gives it its, yeah, it gives its vibe, like that whole essence that we were maybe missing mm. out on a little bit last year. I feel like that part of it was definitely present this year of like we could have people from further away. There was less weird regulations. It's like that was great. And I think that, that sort of like, the community aspect that is fringe, I really felt because like I started to recognize people from show to show and I didn't really get to do that last year. And I'd be like, yeah, I saw you yesterday. Hi. And next thing you know, you've made friends because you're just like chilling out waiting in line at factory or wherever like all day together and it's awesome i even got to connect with other critics who like i had only seen in the twitterverse or wherever and actually get to hang out with them in person because it's oh cool are you here all day too (laughs) yeah great let's just we're in a buddy system this and like now only one person has to stand in line and then you end up hanging out with one another it's a lot of it was a lot of fun it's like it's like really yeah like we say it's really wild 12 days like Afterwards, I booked myself purposefully two days of rest afterwards where I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing anything. Do not call me these two days. I'm going to sleep and try to get my internal alarm clock back yeah. somewhere where she should be. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll go from there. And then I can yeah. figure things out after that. Uh, now, before you started reviewing, um, you were a theater practitioner. So you were like uh, uh, producing shows and putting shows on. Um yeah. Was I want to know about your theater origin story. What first drew you to theater? Because I think that will show us the road to reviewing. So how she got here. Yeah. So like every good theater practitioner, I started off doing musicals and community theater when I was nine. I was in the inaugural production of the Kingsville Repertory Players in Kingsville, Ontario. We did The Music Man. I still do every word to every song because it lives rent-free in the brain from nine years old until now. And yeah, so it was basically like I had done dance as a kid. It was fun. Once that sort of fell out, my folks got wind of, oh, we want to start up a theater company here in Kingsville. And so we jumped on board like as a family. My dad was a producer. My mom and I would act. My younger sister, bless her heart, at the time, like for the first show, was too shy. We did the King and I after that. And of course, we needed a, a, a large brood of children. And so she was like, I don't have to say anything. We're like, no, it's good. We just have to look cute. And she was like, okay. And it was like, great. And so we got her on stage. And then we did two productions of Scrooge after that. Yeah. So that was, I started doing community theater, studied, did drama in high school. But then once I hit university, I was going to be a teacher. I was going to teach kids about Shakespeare. And that was like my goal. So I took English literature. I have a master's degree in English literature. And of course, by the time from like when I graduated high school to like when I was having to make the decision of which path do I want to go down, the number of teaching jobs just plummeted. And so it's okay, gear change. We have to figure out what we're going to do. I considered being a dramaturg for a little while, but a lot of directors and theater companies do their own dramaturgy, especially for... Older works, new work dramaturgy. Yeah, they absolutely need you. But I was like, no, let me help you like edit Shakespeare into something amazing. So there was less room for that. So eventually I just got to a point where I was like, then why don't Mm. I just do that for myself? No one is telling me I can't direct. So I started up a theater company with two friends of mine from grad school. And we did, I'm trying to remember how many shows I directed now. One, two, three. I think I directed four under that company. It's a blur because it's, first of all, anything, anything like pre-pandemic right now is, yeah. I don't know, was that last yeah, year? No. Was that seven what is years time? ago? Who knows? No one knows. What this time? <laughs> Everything is all just wibbly wobbly tiny wimey. Nobody knows what it means anymore. But yeah, so I, yeah, so I just, I started directing theater and then I got more involved with other companies. Like I started assistant directing for another friend who I had hired to be in one of my shows. And because you're in a small city, the theater community is even smaller yeah we all started working together and it was awesome my last show and so so i dabbled in everything right i'd end up directing one show but directing also usually meant producing and then i'd assistant direct another show which would be assistant directing plus also carpool lead in front of house and everything else and then yeah but so it really writing about theater is the perfect sort of marriage between my degrees and my passion it takes all of that knowledge, the practical knowledge that I gained from everything that I did after grad school, 
And then all of the writing that I developed, like my writing skills and analytical skills that I developed in university and combines them into one glorious occupation. You alluded to dramaturgy and the way that, because I've heard it described, there's two different types of dramaturgy. When I first heard about dramaturgy, when I was in theater school in the olden days, in the 90s, it was described as the way what people would now consider like the British way which is where somebody comes in and they have all of the information about everything you need to know about the period and all of the stuff that you need to know about the show so that everybody who's, they're basically the on-site, the on-cast teacher who can teach you about like, why, what does this word mean? Yeah. And why is this slang and all this sort of stuff? And they could do all of that. Whereas Canadian dramaturgy, and I don't know if, it, if it's in the States as well, but Canadian dramaturgy is helping you craft the show and shape the show and filling in all the blanks. So there's two very different mm-hmm. disciplines that have the same name. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it depends on whether, uh, yeah. And a lot of it is like what you were describing is a lot more like Mm -hmm. new work dramaturgy, right? Where like you're sitting down with the author and the director going like, really? Do you really think that things can fly through the air there? You really want to give them a go? Okay. Right. And like, you're, you're, cause you're supposed to be the bridge between the delightful wild creative imaginations of both the director and the writer and then what can actually practically be done whereas like what you were saying like the british style of dramaturgy mm-hmm. that's what i was interested in right it's like, let me be the brain that can hold all of the information that you're probably gonna forget in five minutes but whatever you have the question now and that's great i'll tell it to you i did get to do that once it was like my foray into toronto theater I worked with Graham Abbey and the Groundling Theater Company when they were in like their second season at the Elgin at the Winter Garden Theater. And because they were doing measure for measure. And I had talked to Graham during the summer. I was like, ah, I love that show. He goes, Have you studied it? And I was like, dude, yeah, like twice, like once in undergrad, once in grad school. I love this show. And he goes, Okay, because man, I have a lot of questions and the actors all have a lot of questions. And I was like, great. <laughs> And so I got to spend, so I was there for their tech week for winter sale, which was just fun because they were like, mm. we need eyes. And I was like, great, I can do that. But then for measure, they were still, they were in like that sort of final phase of rehearsal. So yeah, people would be like coming up to me, but I would have people like Lucy Peacock coming up to me and being like, honey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I'm like, do you want to talk about black tea? Or like, how deep do you want me to get into this? And so it was the coolest 10 days. Of my life, I have to say, like, I had the most incredible time. I got to work with some incredible actors. But yeah, it was really neat to get to experience that side of this would be really cool. Like, I wish I could just keep doing this for the rest of my life and just put all that knowledge to use. But I feel like that's the nicest part about reviewing is that this is how I get to, to put all that stuff into my review. Now, one of the things that, 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 that I think that, that you do that I think is uh, pretty unique is your you do TikTok reviews. Now, I've seen people do that for movies yeah. on TikTok. People talk about movies a lot on TikTok. I haven't seen mm-hmm. a lot of people reviewing and talking about theater on TikTok. And impressive. Kudos that you do that because I think it's something that doesn't happen a lot. Um, Thank you. Did that come naturally to you or how did that come about? It, it It's twofold. I've had like, two influences on that one. So I had started up my Instagram and my best friend, Caitlin, says to me, you have to do reels. And I was like, oh, like how, how have to? How have to? She goes, the algorithm likes videos. Instagram is trying to be TikTok. You need to do reels. So then I decided that I like, liked the challenge. Of, okay, how can I elevator pitch like this show plus my review in a minute? And then I met Lindsay Middleton and Greg Carruthers at an opening night last fall. And Greg says to me, you need to get on TikTok, sister. And I was like, but I just started doing this stuff on Instagram. <laughs> like, really? And he's like, really? Because as you were saying, there's not, I don't see anybody doing what you're doing. And I really think that you could get somewhere. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm making up the video anyway. So now it's just a matter of like, <laughs> now I get to post it on all the social media and i'm just like here have my face too like here you go so it's it's been an interesting journey like i say i do like i don't often use the full three minutes that tiktok will allow me because i wanted then i'm like you know making sure the same review gets 
a further spread. Now, do you do a lot of planning before you? Because I there are some people who seem on TikTok like they're like they're just like they're just talking and it's done. And I know a couple of people who that seems to be what they do and they just ramble and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to say a thing and they sound intelligent. And when I try to do that, <laughs> it doesn't go so well. How, where do you stand on the extemporaneousness of the TikTok? I'm so sorry, but yeah, I'm one of those people. I will just do enough take. Okay. So now granted, there are some days like today, I just posted a review. So I was like, I'm done now. Okay. Let's make up a TikTok. And yeah. She was a one take wonder. We got in all the information. We got in all of it. One take. It's done under time. I'm like, press it, release it. We're good. There are other days where there, I then look at my phone once I found the take that I like. And it's like, cool, there's 12 other videos that are like 20 seconds. You know, because it, it depends, right? How many times have I said during this video? And so now I'm like, nope. Or how many times? Did I mispronounce something? And so I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And I have to just like delete 11 other takes of that same clip of what actually makes it onto social media. So it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors. It's like, how much coffee have I had today? What time of day am I trying to do this? Is it like first thing in the morning when I'm right out of bushy tail or is it at like 9 p.m. and I'm exhausted? A lot of factors that go into it, but it's been. It has been interesting. I haven't had anything go viral per se. I had one TikTok that like somehow got like 1900 views and I, I was just shocked. Like my phone was <laughs> like blowing up and I'm like, like, oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Because you don't know, right? You don't know what the algorithm wants. I don't know what the magic algorithm gods want, what makes it happy. I have no idea. And then I, the more that I do it, the more I'm like, mm-hmm. there's no rhyme or reason. I like my little formula that I have. I like my little sign on and my sign off. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Cause honestly, if you get too obsessed and all that, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. going to take up too much space. <laughs> it's hard because you put something out into the world and there's a moment you, it's hard not to be like, how's it doing? And to watch like how many people are watching it. And then you're like, oh, how many people are yeah. watching it or whatever the reaction is. And I, it's hard to, and I I don't usually look at the stats for this show, but it's hard. At first, I was like the first few episodes, maybe the first hundred, I'd put it out and they'd sit there refreshing. People are watching and it's so unhealthy. Yeah. One of my, one of my partner's friends, she said this to me one time, they were over, we're having like a party and she says to me, she goes, oh my God, how are you not just like checking your stats on everything all the time? I said, girl, who says I am not? (laughs) (laughs) I am in hostess mode right now. So the phone is away. The minute y'all leave, it'll be the first thing that I look at because it is like I get up in the morning and I'm like, okay, let's see how many views like my blog talked out at yesterday just because like I want to know. And it's, but yeah, no, I have to remind myself that like social analytics, I can totally get all of that. Like I'm signed up as a business account or whatever on all of my socials so I can see all of that. And I try to actively remember that it doesn't exist because yes, it'll just be that refresher thingy constantly. It's not unless something notifies me. It's like, oh, hey, this reel got 800 yeah. views. And I'm like, no way. Great. Cool. Then I pay attention. But honestly, you can't do it. That, I mean, that, your life. if you fall down that, you'll like have like that one that suddenly goes like 19, whatever, 1900 views. And you're like, okay, so let's try yeah. to find, let, let's see if I can do that again. And that is, you get, you will obsess over this one thing and become less and less exactly. authentic as you try to match whatever that was. And you'll never do it again. No, and that's it. And so it's not, yeah, like I say, I tried to, TikTok is, sucks for that because it's right. right there on your profile when you go to look. It's just like in your face. But so I try not to obsess over that part of it and just hope that my thing is if I'm building my audience more steadily, then that's going to make me happier than anything else, right? The views and everything, that's all so fickle that you obsess over that part. For me, it's have I gained three more followers this month? Cool. Great. Speaking of bigger audience, I know that you recently launched a Patreon and that's a huge step in any creator's time. How long ago did you launch that? And what can people expect to see on your Patreon? It is brand spanking new. I just started this up this month because, okay, so I left my full-time job back in June so that I could throw myself into Fringe. That was absolutely worth it. I regret nothing. 
It's just that now it's finding ways to keep up with rent and the fact that gas goes up every single day Mm -hmm. and everything costs a lot. Um, I'm hoping that the Patreon will be able to just help me cover some basic expenses so that I can keep doing this full time because what I want to provide, like what I'm expecting to be able to give to my lovely patrons. First of all, like right off the bat, I'm going to be able to be writing more, giving them extra pieces. I've got this sort of piece that's entitled Three Days Later. And it's like my deeper thoughts about the show, less like reviewing, more analytical about what I'm seeing. Stuff that, stuff that, yeah, that's literally still kicking around in my brain a couple of days after I've seen a show, because I find that sometimes the conversations that I have after a show with people or with my partner, they're amazing and all the thoughts are great, but it's spoiler city. So you can't really, I don't want to put that in a review. I want you to go and experience it. It's like, come check it out on my Patreon and we can have a great conversation about it. Early access to my stage door dialogues interviews, which I've actually had, I'm getting more of an influx in interviews, which is making me really happy because it's something that I want to do. And it's great to help the companies promote what's going on. And especially for things that I can't make it to um, because there's just so much to have an interview where I've gone to talk to people about what's going on and everything. It's a great way to still have my readers get to interact with the people involved. Um, And then I'm hoping at some point to get to do audio interviews. Um, And then they'd have, you know, this to the full extended edition of all of that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I've been, I've just taken some time putting together some different packages and stuff. I'm hoping to get merch, like actual physical, like cute pins, button stickers, that kind of fun stuff. We're looking into all of that. It's really exciting. I'm hoping that a lot of people are going to want to come on this journey with me because it's been, it's certainly been life-changing even just in the couple of months that I've been doing this full-time that I can't wait for that to keep growing. Those interviews, I'm sure that you felt the pressure of wanting to be able to support all of the shows, right? Everybody sends you their press release and you want, everybody who contacts you, you wish you could like, review their show or give them the promotion that they're asking for, but there's mm-hmm. only so many hours in the day. And I get that. I'm on a, I'm a weekly podcast. There's only so many shows that I can get on here. And it happens all the time where they're, I just can't get to everybody. So it's good to have something where you could be like, I can't review this show, but here's an interview with people. Yeah. And that's actually part of the reason why I started like my waiting in the wings and beyond the box posts as well as like, Waiting in the wings is, okay, here's what you can expect to see my writing about this month. And so it's everything that I say yes to. And I try to make these like living documents as much as I can, like where I'll update if I get a late invite to something or I magically can go to something and then I can switch things around. I'll change it around. But then beyond the box is, okay, so here's what else is going on in the community. Here's what I've been made aware of that I unfortunately can't make it to, but check it out, see if it's happening. And I find that when I post those, because it's always within the first couple of days of the month, I try to make it the first. Now it'll be able to be the first. It's like in the past, it's been like within the first week of the month, I will get this up. Um, And people are looking at both in equal measure. And that always makes me really happy because then it means that there, there's at least eyes being set on these other events that even if I can't make it to, There are people who are already interested in Toronto theater, dance, music, whatever, who are then at least going to see that it's happening. Yeah, and that's huge, especially now, like we were mentioning about the ecosystem of theater writing in the city. And you look at none of the, only one of the newspapers really has a full-time theater reviewer. And their job is Canada, which is, yeah, yeah, no, their yeah, job not is even Canada. Here, which is and now. occasionally they go to New York and they review yeah. shows there. So they have a huge beat, whereas other other publications have freelancers and things like that. And But that's not, that mm-hmm. freelancer can't cover theater the way a full-time person can. They don't have as much, like, freedom, mm-hmm. as much editorial control or editor, editorial anything. And so it's really hard with in the city to get the word out about shows. I think... Lots of people who are producing shows are like, I don't know how I'm going to tell people about this show because almost nobody's writing about theater. And it's important to to have as many voices as possible, even though most of those voices are moving online, like yourself and Glenn Sumi and all of the other uh, blogs that are writing about theater here. How do you feel? How What's your feeling about that? theater writing ecosystem how what's your sense and especially having been through fringe and meeting a bunch of the reviewers how do you feel about what that looks like now 
Yeah, it's definitely, you can tell the shift, you can tell the difference. And there's also, I don't know, it's, it's interesting as one of the new kids on the block, it's interesting to see who is like the established people, right? Like the folks who have been either running their blog or who work for a paper or consistently freelance for the same publications, that kind of stuff, how they interact with shows versus then how those of us who are newer to things or who maybe only do it part-time or whatever, like how, where we all are. Like, it's interesting when you go to an opening night and you look around and it's okay. So who all is here? Cause like now I've like, now I know who people are. So I'm looking for, okay, yeah, is Glenn here? Oh, good. Yeah, Glenn's down the way for me. Where's Ashling? I can, I can find my people that I know, but then it's interesting when you go to smaller openings. Like I love going to like these little itty bitty independent theater productions. And sometimes I am the only gal with a notepad in the room. And I'm like, am I ever glad that I made time for this? Because I might be the only words that these lovely humans get about this. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to stay as independent as I can and just keep working on my own thing rather than trying to seek out like full-time employment because i do freelance for intermission shout out to intermission magazine i love freelancing for them um i want to have the opportunity to look at those tiny shows and not have to worry about basically my only barrier from getting to something is can i physically be in the room or have i already been asked to be elsewhere and i want that to continue to be my only barrier to it because there are so many tiny productions that are phenomenal and they're not going to get that coverage because if you have to pass it through three different editors or whatever, or yeah, you're already supposed to be in Calgary or wherever the heck, you're not going to be able to be in Toronto to see all of the all of this stuff. And there's just the vast amount of theater that happens just in this city and even just on an indie level is so huge. Like you can you can cut off even just with the, some of the bigger like Mervish and some of the other like bigger sort of like mid-range theaters. I'd still be super busy. Like, the mindset, no, a whole bunch of stuff. I'd still be swamped. And that's awesome because there's just literally that yeah. much going on. And I always think I don't get a lot of publicity. I don't do a lot of stuff with Marvish. Um, but they're going to be fine. They don't need me. They're, they're fine. Um, but those little companies, yeah. they need <laughs> every indie company needs as much word of mouth as possible. They've probably put their rent on the line that month just to get a show done. It's pretty wild. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Been there, done that. Yeah. And that's, I think, I guess that's part of where my love for that comes. Is I've done that. I've done the whole like, okay, so this $300, which is all the only money basically that I have, this is going into my show. Please, sweet yeah. God, let me make yeah. that back. <laughs> and that, and like, there are some days where like, if I could pay my actor, like there were days, and I know that there's a lot of companies that function this way too at Fringe or outside of it, where it's like, if I get to pay my actors, even if it's five bucks, it's yeah. like, cool, I paid my actors. Yeah. I'm like, I did good. So you're, it's hard. It's hard out there. And I can't even imagine, like I was producing theater in a very small city, which is hard enough when you're trying to get people to come out. But then you've got Toronto, which is massive. But then that means that there's that many more things that people could be doing on any given night and you're trying to get them to come to your show. So if I can help that in any way, whether it's on social media or through my words or whatever, I'm so thankful to do it because like I have been there. I know how it feels and it's mm. intimidating as all get out. So I'm glad to help be a voice and pump up their stuff. Yes, it's, it's absolutely fantastic stuff. I don't think we pat enough pat people on the back enough for having done the thing, whether it's fringe or self-producing yeah. or whatever it is. You did the thing. You put it on stage. And that's something to mm -hmm. be proud of. Absolutely. Because what people don't see and don't understand is the months or sometimes like a year or more of planning leading up to that point. And the table, like not even just, yeah, like the table reading, the rehearsal process, finding venues, finding sponsors. Do we have money to do this? Fundraisers. You're like, I've got friends who, you know, they're running cabarets and trivia nights and whatever, just to, like, make enough money, hopefully, to get themselves in a position where, cool, then whatever we make from the box right. office is just going to go to the actors. But that's always holding our breath and with our fingers crossed because those events have to run well for then your main stage show to run well. and it it's exhausting. Like people understand how much work 
goes into that opening night is like how <laughs> because you just yeah. finally yeah you did the thing and you put in so much time into just doing the thing that it's like, yeah that's yeah, worth absolutely absolutely on. I want to go back to so when you see a lot of things there's a lot of thinking back on the shows that you see sometimes I don't know about you if you find this but I'll look back and I'll be like so what were the shows that I saw last year. Like actually physically saw, and I can't remember them all. Some of them blur together. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm laughing this hard only because I literally did that like this past weekend. These I was trying to talk to somebody about another show that I had seen. I was like, I saw it. And I had to go back and like, oh, it was only like four days ago. I'm sorry. Because so much had happened in the intervening four days that I was like, oh, God, when did I go see that? But yeah, that's why yeah. the notebooks yeah. exist for me is because, yeah, you get to a point where you're like, I've seen so much just in the past month. And the, or then I'll start counting. OK, so like, how many shows did I see this month? Mm -hmm. Like, Why is that answer <laughs> like 14? <laughs> like, oh, my God. And then you go back and you're like, oh, yeah, what's technically this month? Look at it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I used to think yeah. that I saw a lot of theater. I thought I did a pretty darn good job. <laughs> Here's the question. The T Toronto Fringe is just yeah. like a month or so ago. What shows do you remember from Toronto Fringe? <laughs> okay. Okay. I really like the woman who ate falafel. Got that one. Uh, I was talking about mail ordered earlier, so there we go. We got corporate Finch, um, good old days that you got you were talking about. So it's four, not bad. Um, no, look, if you <laughs> no. just remember four shows, that's no, that's not terrible because terrible. when you cram so many into your brain, there's only so much you're going to be able to remember. With that, okay, hold on. I got twenty three and me the musical. There's a fifth one, like in Clay's gay agenda. There's six, but that's still like less than a third of what I've seen. So that's terrible, and it's not like they're not memorable. It's just like sometimes at the end of the day, you forgot what you've seen at the beginning of yeah. the day because you're at show number five, right? And you're just like, oh, heck, I did see that this morning. It is. It, it's a wild thing. I don't know where it all goes in my brain, but you're right. It like You have to dump it out. Mishmash. It has like, to go. You have to dump it out because there's only next week you're going to see a bunch more shows and you can't be thinking of those other shows. And I don't know about you. If I'm at, if it's, yeah. I, if I see five shows in a day, don't talk to me after that fifth show. If I'm like going from morning till night, no, don't yeah. like. If you're like expecting like a chipper fill at the end of that day, it's not happening because like, there's nothing. No, there was a day where I had a show that I had chosen to review for intermission. But what I didn't realize is that it was only like four performances and they all started after nine o'clock. And I live in North York. So no matter what venue I was at, even Tarragon is still a solid like half an hour almost away from me. And this was downtown at Factory. And I was like, oops. Okay. But I'm so glad that I did it because it was great. But like it ended. My show started at 945. So like I wasn't in the car <laughs> until right. maybe 11 o'clock. So I got home. I remember I turned the key into my door at midnight. And I'm going, I have been out yeah. of this house for 12 hours solid. Oh, my God. And my partner, bless him. I get home and I basically was onto the bed. There was no words. Yeah. Hi, honey. Take the bag off. I have emptied out nothing. I just like, went and just flopped on the bed in my clothes. And he's just like, long day? Yeah. And I can't even be mad because I've done it to myself. Right? You like, set that schedule. You did it to yourself. <laughs> I did this to me. I had to routinely say that to myself during Fringe. Of, but you did this to you. And this is your dream. There you so go. Complain. <laughs> just have more coffee tomorrow. Yeah. And we'll I remember happen. years ago. Just I think people who who read the reviews don't think about how much goes into all of that. But I remember years ago. This is pre-internet. This is now magazine wasn't online. It was just print, and it was just John Kaplan. So it was early days of of Fringe, and I saw him outside of a theater, which it might have been oh, the dance one that nobody uses anymore down on on Saint, the Saint the George Street Theater or whatever. And I saw him oh, okay. out front of that theater unfold this piece of paper that was like all these papers put together, which was a grid that he'd created his own grid of, of shows and what theater so he could figure out 
how to go from show to show. And that's, you know, that's that oh kind of dedication God. it takes to, to do this kind of thing. Especially like mm-hmm. when he was like writing for now and trying to review as many things as possible. I don't know how he found time to actually write it. No, it is. It's a lot. I like the day after I got my like the physical, like the fringe guide. That was the most intense, like two hours of my life trying to plan everything. Because so first of all, I'm going through my emails. I'm seeing what I've been invited to highlighting those. I started with the index in the back. I'm like, okay, we're going to start at the bag. We're going to move our way through the rest because I need to figure out how many have I been invited to. Then I passed off to my partner and I was like, okay, tell me what shows you want to come to based off of what I've got invites to. So then I knew, okay, those shows have to be like after six or on the weekend. Okay, good. And then it was like scheduling in. Okay, so what am I reviewing for intermission? Those should be front loaded. And by the time I got done, like I literally went to the opening night party. A few people were like, so what are you seeing? I said, no, I have no idea. I'm like, I just scheduled everything. I have bought all my tickets and my brain just went like a net to sketch. And it is gone now. I have no clue. I will consult the magic book every morning and see where it says that I am supposed to be. And yes, there are some days where you realize, oh, crud, I need to be across the city in half an hour. God, I hope the TTC is working today. Or you just take a lift. Because like I, I had to take a lift about three times yeah. because I was like, ah, oops, I was ambitious as to how long yeah. this was. And so now I'm going to have to pay for it. And you just, you do what you got to do. I feel it. I was sitting there. My, my poor little book was practically destroyed before I even got it in my bag because I'm having to like flip from the front to the back. Okay. How long is this show? And so like try to find the pages. It is a marathon. But for me, I like having it. I'm, I'm with Mr. Kaplan on that mm. one. I like having a physical thing in front of me. I can't do it on the website. Too many colors, too many things. I'm way overstimulated. And I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) my brain just goes, we can't do that. We need it in a book in front of us. We have highlighters. Yeah. Highlighter colors only different things. You can look at the website all you want. But to me, it's not fringe until I have that book. And it's I'm not planning until I'm starting to flip through. Because sometimes I go in, I'm like, what shows are going to jump out at me? Because there's shows that I need to see and there's shows that I can't. What shows jump out at me? And those get a circle and all that sort of stuff. And you go through. But then once I've made the decision, it goes into my Google calendar and that runs my life for the entire time. And hopefully I've gotten all my timing. Like you said, it's. Yeah. And and yeah, you just, yeah, you hope that you haven't. I did it where I oh, didn't realize. And yeah. I thought it was 60. Now, thankfully, I only had to get between factory and theater Casmerai. so that is like a five minute walk so i was like okay i need this show to not go 90 minutes and i need this show to start late and thank god they both did i have not walked that fast in my life but i made it and like i slipped in that seat i like technically slipped into one of the reserve seats but it was like it was the last performance of james and jamesy so so there we go there's another i remember i went sliding it and the volunteer was like just sit in one of those seats. It doesn't <laughs> matter. And I was like, thank you. Because <laughs> like they could tell I was out of breath. My God, I made it up those stairs. I was out of breath. I like sat in and like the light went down. Like, yeah. I was like we yeah. did it. What was that? But again, you can't. It's just like, I clearly somewhere in that two hours of panic where I was planning. I misread. Sure. Like, if you, just you don't know. The little box. And then you're standing in line and they're doing the speech and somebody says, this show is 90 minutes. And you're like, <laughs> no, I planned on this being 16, 80. So now what? So yeah. Okay. No bathroom break. No, no. bathroom break time. Oh, like, don't drink yeah. during this performance. <laughs> yeah. We'll make it better. Yeah. Oh, God. No, it was, it was such a crazy adventure this year. But at the same time, I got done and I felt so satisfied because what I had done for most days was I planned myself in writing time in the morning. Like, I didn't really start my days until 11, 30, 12 o'clock at the earliest. So that it was like, get up, get my partner at the door like usual. And then write about yesterday's stuff. So that then you shake it out of your head. Okay, it's gone. It's good. And now get myself ready, right. get out the door, get ready for a new day of adventure. And that worked actually most days. The only day I couldn't do that was I right. had a kids show to go to. So, of course, they're on at early o'clock in the morning. So... But like for the most part, that is the nice part about being in control of my schedule is that I could keep on top of things until basically like the last weekend. And then I was exhausted. And so I posted like the last two days of stuff. Yeah. Like at the same time. But other than that, 
when I actually like, look back at what I accomplished, because like at the time it's a blur yeah. and you're like, what am I doing? And then you lie, look back and now I'm like, cool. I straight up posted on my blog hey. for 10 days in a row. Yeah. That's me. Never done that before. And then gained a whole bunch of new followers. My view count was crazy because I was able to yeah. keep up like every single day with what I was doing. And I had to limit myself. I tried to, I was like, okay, each review is only going to be like 300 words if so that we can pump it out, get it out, and away we go. Mm. And it worked for the most part. So I'm happy. And it's always, this is like yeah. my first time getting to do it full on. It's <laughs> cool. I learned lessons. We learned a lot of things. And so we'll just apply it to right. next year when it comes around yeah. and everything. It's great. And one day we'll just be old pros at this and we will remember to eat. We're going to, I'm going to remember that for next year though, that I need to like, text you would be like hey, it's it's amazing it's the thing that, that always falls by the wayside i'm just looking at schedule how much oh, yeah. time to do it's this show right. see this show get to the next theater see that show get to the next theater and th then at some point you're like why am i hangry that was a good show oh <laughs> yeah. oh i haven't had anything to eat since 8 a.m <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. And then you're just like begging somebody at a concession stand for chips, <laughs> please, please. I just yeah. need some chips. Please let me eat in the theater. I'm going to die otherwise. So yeah. 100%. So now that summer's over, this is this, there's a slight lull in the theater calendar at this time. And, yes. but then once September hits after Labor Day, it's going to steadily increase. Are there things in the, that you already are yeah. looking forward to this fall? Absolutely. Right now, so yeah, it's, there's a little bit of a lull, but last week I think I did, I did a, four shows in a row and then had one night off and then did another couple shows. So like, it, there's a lot of outdoor things going on right now, which is like a lot of fun. And I'm trying to like space out and then just pray that the weather cooperates because it did not cooperate for me for Shakespeare and High Park. So now I'm scared every time I'm glad to book something for outdoors. But for the fall, I actually, I'm already reading Sideways, mm -hmm. the city that Google couldn't no. buy in preparation for the master plan at Crows. Because it was a book that already my partner and I were interested in. And so I'm like, cool, now it's for, now it's for my business. So here we go. Let's, I'm, I'm like, I just, yeah. I get dibs on it first now, which is great. So I'm pouring through it, but I am flying through that book and it is, it's incredible. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the inheritance as well, which is on at Cairns stage later on in the fall. Oh, and then also at Crows. Oh, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, right? Yeah. I'm super looking forward to that one because I remember when I was seeing like Come From Way on Broadway, it right. was like the big one next door. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And some of my like, friendly faces too in Toronto theaters. Like I'm excited about people that I normally... Mm -hmm. would see in Stratford are going to be here during the fall and winter nice. this year yeah. and I'm so happy to get to see them so yeah it'll be a lot of fun I'm trying to think I'm only trying to think of who else is whatever there's been like five press releases a day that's because this is announcement season for all of, everybody's seasons are they're yeah, all right. telling us what's coming for up next year and so then it's like, I get, I lose track. But see, I also, I like getting the little like Cedar guides for everything. I've got like a stack of them now <laughs> at my desk. So I could be like, oh yeah, what do I have coming up? No, Canoe from mm. Native Earth Performing Arts as well. I think it's going to be awesome. The opera scene and like the sort of like, crossover that's been happening a lot between opera and theater has been awesome and has afforded me some like really cool opportunities to get to review opera as well, which I never thought that would be like on my plate. Nice. And I love it. <laughs> it's been spectacular. So yeah. So that's just, just a few of the ones that I've been excited about coming across my coming through my inbox. <laughs> Janine, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much, Phil. I was so excited when you asked me how to do This has been an episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy is produced, hosted, and edited by Phil Rickaby. That's me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And remember... If you want to leave a tip, you'll find a link to the virtual tip jar in the show notes or on the website. 
You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the complete archive of all episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode of Stageworthy. Worthy.